Welcome to the Selfie Love podcast, talking all things media, mental health and mindset. For information and resources on any sensitive topics covered, please visit selfielovecampaign.com. Thank you for all of the support on the pilot episodes. I produced these for my graduate project earlier in the year. I'm Megan, I've been behind the scenes and heading up Selfie Love for a year now, and I'm really looking forward to sharing these stories more with you across Spotify and Instagram. Today, we're joined by one of my best friends, the go-to for anything from a pep talk to a rant. She's recently finished her law and politics degree from Manchester University. She's also a talented radio and podcast producer, as well as a media enthusiast like me. Here's Megan. Oh, that's so sorry. <laughs> I just broke the professionalism. I'm so sorry. <laughs> that was a lovely intro. Thank you. You're very welcome. How are you doing? Yeah, I'm good. I'm good. Taking it day by day. How's life at the moment? What are you doing? Okay, so just finished uni. So I've been thrown into the pool of adulthood, figuring it all out, figuring out jobs, moving back home, that kind of thing. So at the moment, each day looks like wake up, do some applications, find some more jobs, think about career, and then maybe do something to take my mind off it and then start the whole day again that's kind of it it's not very interesting but this is the phase of life at the moment it is the phase of life so remind me so when did you like wrap up all of your exams assignments yeah so I finished oh this feels like I'm thinking about another life now uh it was the start of June I think it might have been the second of June very um, precise <laughs> yeah yeah because everybody else finished a little bit sooner than I did um if you did law in in my degree you just had exams and then if you did politics you had your dissertation and they were all earlier deadlines than exams but it's fine but yeah so I finished in June um then spent June to July enjoying Manchester the city and just celebrating finishing uni because we didn't have a graduation then came back home and spent July and August kind of just settling in back home because that's a big process but then also trying to take the time to have a summer because this is kind of going to be the last big summer that you can have Um, and then in September I said let's go let's put our feet on the gas and get back into the real world and think about jobs and go back to reality so how was the transition from being in Manchester and celebrating uni and then coming home what was that like it's hard I don't think people talk about enough how hard it is to go from life at uni where you can kind of do whatever you want whenever you want and then go to life back at home Sometimes I think when we have conversations about life and how things are going, it either needs to be black and white. And this is a conversation that's grey because it's it's a blessing to be able to come back home and not really have to think too much about rent and buying food and things like that. But there's also a lot of freedom that you miss out on. And it's not freedom that is particularly like... It's not dangerous freedom. I'm not saying one day I want to wake up and get on a plane and go across the world. Yeah. But it's the little things like in uni, I loved just 
having a friend round and them being round till like 3am and us just completely losing sense of time that you can't really do when you're at home and you have to be someone else at uni you are a student you are the student version of you you are you know you live with your friends so you live as that personality that your friends know then when you come back home for me I'm now a daughter and that's kind of the role that I have to step into so it's challenging because not only are you changing city and you're changing identity you're losing the identity of being a student you're also coming back to your childhood home which for a lot of people can have a wild mix of emotions and then you've basically got to start off on a blank slate that looked completely different from the blank slate that you started off from uni so it's a lot yeah I think I completely agree that there aren't enough conversations about it I think maybe universities can do a bit better I mean I know that they in my opinion in any way they can do a lot better for you know well-being and mental health support I don't think there's ever going to be enough of that um yeah but I think there's one that's one thing that personally I didn't really get much information on sort of that transition after you finish uni and I think obviously the university is going to be rooting for you to walk into your job within you know a few days a couple of months of finishing all of your studies but the reality is you'll go home to have time of the essence again but you have your surroundings that are familiar to you but they don't reflect your identity anymore because people grow so much when they're at uni they can be away for three four maybe even five years and they come home and it's almost as if they have almost like an identity crisis to a point actually because they come back to the same environment that they left before and they were completely different when they were last here and as you say that's excluding the fact that maybe you know home life isn't as straightforward for some people you know maybe freedom that you get at uni was you know a million miles away from what they experienced beforehand and now they're having to revert back to that so I think yeah I completely agree that it's no surprise that it was a shock for the system for you to return but also in general it's just I think such a widespread issue that isn't talked enough about and it's not I don't think it's a huge ask for unis either to just flag it as even if it's for the last 10 minutes of a lecture of your last lecture and be like by the way guys if you need some support here this can be a tricky time over the next couple of months after all your celebrations which you're entitled to do but here's where you can go read up on it know that you're not the only one in this situation because I was quite lucky I have found a job fairly quickly out of finishing my studies which is great but I know that you know people like yourself there's no reflection on you that you haven't found something yet we just chose to do different things over our summers I was very keen to get out there get that job sorted you wanted more of a break which was well deserved if anything I was very jealous of your break meanwhile I was like doing all my onboarding and training but the thing is it doesn't matter where you start you still got to adjust to a new working life as well and that's another huge transition that we're just not really given credit for I don't think as uni students because we're now seen as adults and we're not allowed to have these sort of struggles and I think there's also this generational thing being like we'll grow up this is adult life get on with it yeah and that I think that is what frustrates me the most because I think the generation before us it's no secret they've had it so much easier you know they could 
come out of uni, land a job pretty quickly, buy a house, settle down, have a family, have that freedom that, you know, we want. But we it's just not it's just not possible in the society we live in. And I think what you were saying about how universities could be doing so much more. I mean, I've I've thought that my university's support for their students, it was bad, but then the pandemic hit mm. and I just thought, wow, this 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 is I just don't understand how it could have been that low and not even just the students the staff I think everybody could have done with a lot more support and I think in some respects it reflects who's in charge of the university because if you have people that have grown up in a different generation in a different time they're not going to think oh the reality is they probably need to come home and that's going to do x y and z for their confidence or you know this pandemic is going to be tough extra tough on this generation because they'll have x y and z to go through because they didn't go through that and at the moment they're probably thinking about how they would have been students and just not quite applying the right solutions but I in fact it's interesting I saw a TikTok yesterday um, of this professor who was saying the first thing she asked her students when they join university is are you okay because that transition is hard but there's no real support on the other side academically at all it's go away fly away do do what you need to do go get a job once you get a job we're going to be so proud and post everywhere that you're this alumni that's got this job you know and and I feel like some some adults are going to be like oh well we can't hold your hand okay but you don't need to push us over like come on <laughs> do, give us something I think as well there's it's maybe I'm not st- speaking strictly fairly because there has been some more positive posts on things like LinkedIn for example about people saying you know give these graduates from the past couple of years some more credit than they ever have before because the resiliency we've had to just come out of nowhere to get through this education system to be honest has failed us in some ways you know it took how long for you know the government to address university students in all of those briefings they had um, during the pandemic and how long did it take for the uni to you know respond to the mass communications that students were sending their way so I think we were a bit neglected. Sure, a lot of us come out the other side of it, achieved great things. And that's a testament to our own resilience and also, you know, our strength of characters. But I think it's unfair that people are coming out of uni now and they're being painted with the same brush that they have been for years beforehand. And nothing's really changed, even though so much of their university experience was stripped away from them for a start, that freedom that you'll miss from uni actually they've probably been missing that even when they were at uni during their final year because no one had a final year that was normal from the no. past couple of years in some way it has been affected and I mean I say final year every university student has been affected but speaking mm-hmm. here on graduates you know we're finishing uni and it's like well I didn't get the full experience of what uni was because yeah. of the pandemic and that is the way the world has worked we can't do much about that it's not like university students have had the worst cut of the deal here however some more slack given to you know the graduates and also just students in general around this time would be much more appreciated considering how we've been treated for the past 18 months two years 
100% and I mean you spoke about how the education system has failed us and and how the government's failed us the government have really failed us and this the standard of teaching and I don't mean this to come across as a critique on professors or lecturers because they were really doing their best but the standard of teaching across the board isn't the same you know in my first and my second year I got told constantly you have to come to lectures people that come to lectures do better but then years down the line I am sat in front of a computer in my room and that's my university you know constant there was a constant comparison to the open university and how they're online and you know that's why it's cheaper so hello government make it cheaper you know what why do we have to pay the same and then you expect the same results from us it's it's just not realistic I, I think I think about it a lot how we as graduates especially in in this year especially graduates of 2021 have just probably been through the toughest time and it's the same with people that have done their GCSEs it's the same with people that have done their A-levels you know but I hope that people recognize that this shows something about our character that we've been able to get through it like we're resilient that is the top thing that you should know about us absolutely and we're also very adaptable I mean click of a finger and all of a sudden the way that which we've been learning and the independence we've had to show with you know, things like group projects, they don't exist over, you know, the pandemic really. And even if they did, they ran even worse than they did beforehand with people not being absent, people being offline, which to a point was un- more understandable in the pandemic because people were struggling. But I think the thing is there is that as much as things were online, you can't get the same delivery of what you signed up for when you signed up to university course on UCAS all those years ago. For example, with me, I did a media production degree at Bournemouth University and the whole premise of that course, there was no exams. It was all very practical and hands on work that I'd say probably four out of six of the units per year were in group um, group assignments. We were using industry standard equipment that we had access to. We were encouraged to use it even outside of our assignments to get better skill sets, make us more employable. And then in our final year, when you'd think, actually, this is the time to be making most of all of these resources, you're about to go into the industry, you need to know, you know, how rigging your camera works and all these audio mixes and things like this. Bearing in mind, a lot of these graduates as well from my course in particular wanted to go freelance. So the training and things in the industry isn't really there because you're not in, you know, that sort of standard bubble that you get from a permanent role where you have like an onboarding you have training you're just working project by project so if you don't know your stuff it's going to be really hard to get more jobs if you don't know something and two it's going to be hard to get a job anyway because you don't have as much experience as you got from your final year of uni that you should have got so I think again it's not even just a case of we were really resilient but actually we had to change our whole way of learning and get the best out of a situation that to be honest just we none of us signed up for a lot of university students had you know kind of like existential crises just on okay but I'm doing a course in event management for example what is the world I'm going into now I'm a graduate where events have completely changed all of the things I've learned has completely changed or people in medicine I bet that's changed an awful lot as well I don't know the specifics of that but I can bet 
you know the way hospitals around have changed an awful lot now because of the pandemic and so, i'm i'm sure medicine students are exploited because you, know, you have to do all of these practical hours and they're not going to be learning about i don't know how to put in a cannula or how to do this operation they're just going to be taking care of, of the the people that need this care because we are in a pandemic but that doesn't mean they've got the level of education that they should have and the bottom line here is that it's almost and speaking realistically it's too late for compensation oh 100%. but the attitude towards us graduates and our students even across the board as you say from GCSEs A levels university students masters and beyond needs to change we need a yeah. bit more appreciation a little bit more forgiveness of the fact that we haven't had the education that we signed up for to get us to a point where we can move on to that next thing with those qualifications I think in general though you know we speak about being more compassionate to graduates but like to make it a wider thing I think the pandemic and lockdown has really just like cracked open this like Russian doll that has made us realize that we need to be kinder to everybody like everyone is struggling nobody is able to keep up with this really fast pace that we were living at and sometimes we need to slow down and just kind of appreciate what people are able to do and accept that you know that that saying that we're we're all in the same we're all in the same storm but we're all in different boats and so accepting that there's a storm going on we don't quite know how other people are coping with it but we know that there's something going on I just think that's something we shouldn't forget just because the pandemic is kind of dying down because okay global pandemic quite big but everybody has their own storm and there's literally no one that has an easy time in life I think it's really important yeah and even though we've had freedom day and things people in general are still very much living with this pandemic you know there's still people getting sick there's still people that are really financially struggling there's still obviously students that are really struggling with their education and what they want to do you know, the NHS is still very much struggling. The economy is like, we're still very much not out of this. So as you say, I think it's good that, I mean, we can at least hope that the whole be kind message that came out of that pandemic period actually does get more widespread now than it did even within the pandemic. Cause we're all dealing with the consequences now. We will be for a long time. That's the yeah. reality of it. I think that's why I didn't like this whole freedom day it it made me quite uncomfortable and anxious and quite upset because I just think the pandemic and lockdown the whole experience was traumatic and to just kind of expect society to go all right well we're allowed out now we're allowed to x y and z we're allowed to go to pubs we go out to go party we're just going to forget about it just the idea of that made me upset because there are a, a, there are going to be people that are not only still going through it but also incredibly knocked by how they were treated during that time to come off the back of that let's talk about what we learned from the pandemic um but what did you learn like specifically to you i think the movement that happened in the pandemic taught me that you can shout at someone and you can tell someone the millions of ways why you're right, the millions of reasons. It's like, you can tell someone that 
a peach this is a peach and a peach is fantastic and a peach is orange and it's a bit fuzzy and it tastes like this and it has a stone in the middle and people will be so insistent on believing that that's a pear and just disregarding you and for those people you just can't convince them and sometimes you can't waste your energy on them you know for people that didn't care about the Black Lives Matter movement or are still homophobic or are still, you know, ableist, which is something I'm trying to work on, you know, you can't change them. That's 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 how they are. That's to us to an extent, I just think there's a place where the conversation needs to be a lot of the time surrounding um different minorities. And some people really shout us back into history. Um, but on a personal note, I feel like lockdown made me realize that I place a lot of value in things that are not actually intrinsic. I place I placed so much value before lockdown on being busy, on having to do X, Y, and Z. You know, I did so many societies before lockdown. And having that as my identity, you know, this is my identity. I'm a hardworking person. I do all of these things when actually that wasn't that wasn't feeding me. That wasn't what I should have been doing. I should have kind of been going, do I enjoy this? Yes. Is it something that I can reasonably do? Probably not. Let's look at focusing our energy on the things that really do help us to be better because lockdown made you just strip everything down and look at who you were just as a person yeah so I can definitely relate on the fact that I had this outlook and I think it was probably just ingrained into me as someone that thinks to be a hard-working person I have to always be filling my time and it's always on other people or things I'm working towards which is great like I can't disregard that because not gonna lie maybe that's the reason why I got into uni or that's why like a part of me got my job after uni like that that part of me is great although the pandemic did teach me that to slow down and look after yourself and juggle that at the same time is perfectly acceptable and it's actually needed because I think if I'd kept going actually the way I was throughout my final year for example even if the world was normal I would have burnt out but because I bought, I but because that. I bought into these skills of self-care throughout the multiple lockdowns we had, I had plenty of times just focus on me rather than the outside world. Then I think actually I have a better practice now of being like, okay, well, if I'm tired, I need to listen to my body here. If, you know, I'm a bit anxious or stressed, doing a workout or going on a walk is a good idea. If I need some background noise because my mind is just racing, stick on a podcast or a film movie whatever and these are just all small things that I wouldn't consciously think about as I'm looking after myself Mm. now I make an extra effort on almost like a weekly basis sometimes daily I guess to put time in for myself even if it's just 10 minutes even if it's just okay I'm going to do my my skincare routine if I'm going to go for a walk on my lunch break eating healthier making sure, you know, I limit my screen time. That was a huge learning from the pandemic for me because it was so easy just to sit on your phone or, you know, scroll and scroll for hours on end. Did it make me feel happier? 
no it just made me feel really drained and tired and to be honest it made me feel quite inadequate because some people were doing such great things on um during their lockdown time whether that was they were renovating like their bedroom or I don't know they were starting projects they were even like some people just you know started working in like test centers and things some people were doing some incredible things and that's brilliant I'm here to celebrate it although I don't need that noise constantly from my phone you just don't it's not healthy you need that reassurance that actually it's okay to be sitting back and doing nothing and looking after you is an integral thing to be doing as part of your lifestyle because ultimately I mean we'd like to think we're here for a long time right we need to have a sustainable balance of looking after ourselves working towards our goals and you know staying healthy and happy and sociable and all these things but if you skip the looking after yourself bit, it's just going to catch up with you and you're going to burn out or you're going to suffer with your mental health ultimately or you're going to your relationships are going to change or actually your performance of getting towards those goals is going to really be um, like detrimented so I think that's something that I got out of the pandemic anyway the fact that actually looking after me is something that I need to prioritize in my day-to-day or week by week and it's not an added bonus if I get time amongst everything else I actually need to make time for that yeah and I think what you were explaining about self-care is something is an idea that was kind of shattered for a lot of people in lockdown because I think before lockdown everyone had this idea self-care is bubble baths self-care is face masks self-care is I don't know taking yourself out on a shopping trip self-care is a spa day like that's not self-care self-care is saying I need to go to bed at 10 because I'm probably gonna want to be on my phone for an hour but then by 11 I need to be in bed so that I can wake up tomorrow and when I wake up I'm not going to be that self-care brushing your teeth self-care going for a walk self-care self-care isn't this wild like capitalist idea that came that you have to buy things to fulfill it it's just how you look after yourself and in lockdown that was probably the most important thing because you can't really be worried about other people if you are you know crumbling before other people's eyes and I think lockdown was another lesson in that because you know we all needed to kind of be there for each other but I think it was very obvious when someone was struggling Mm. that you physically can't do anything if you're in lockdown you can't give someone else a hug you can't you know buy them a takeaway you can't go out with them you just have to give them the time and space but if you are not on top form or if you're not in a great space and don't have that space to give someone you're of no use so you have to look after yourself first yeah and I can probably speak to that so in the spirit of you know world mental health day that's obviously believe Sunday the 10th which I'm hoping is when this will come out you know I'm happy to share the fact that you know I was fine first lockdown it was all of the novelty wasn't it it was the zoom quizzes which I'll never want to do again anytime soon you know it was all very novel it was you know baffling that you would go around supermarkets and all the shelves were empty and all of a sudden you were like great I have all of these Netflix shows I've been meaning to watch for ages I can binge them over the next couple months brilliant not gonna lie I'm generalizing here a lot of people obviously still struggled in those lockdowns with their own reasons but generally everything was a lot more novel then 
by the second lockdown, I think people were actually kind of relieved because of the spike in the cases. And I think people didn't have as much belief in the government for, you know, our safety. And we were so we were, we were so hopeful that we were going to get a normal Christmas. So I think the second lockdown, people were we, we were frustrated. We were in another lockdown, but I think people were still getting that element of hope being like, well, if we do this, we we'll get to Christmas. normal quicker. We'll get Christmas. Yeah. And then when Christmas didn't work out as we thought it would, and it completely changed, and that's one of the most important times for people to be around family, be around friends, celebrate, you know, have that time off work. When that was taken away, I think personally, that is why I saw anyway people just lose their patience with lockdown the rules and things like this and for me from like a personal point of view I think that's why in the third lockdown I really struggled with my mental health I mean I've struggled with anxiety and depression and all the symptoms that come alongside these things for a few years and you know I've had things like CBT you know I've had help but even with all of these skills, and I'd say I'm quite a self-aware person when it comes to like emotional intelligence and things like this, and I have amazing friends around me, I still struggled. You know, I wasn't someone that was really financially like strapped from the pandemic. I wasn't an NHS worker. I sure was a student, but I didn't get the worst deal of it in the pandemic. I fortunately didn't lose anyone really close to me due to COVID but I still really struggled. I was really low. I couldn't really function very easily. I had to make an extra effort to be like, cool, I've got up, I've had a shower. I've done a bit of uni work. I've made myself some food. You know, I have food in the fridge. I've been for a walk. I've done some exercise. You know, like everything was a bit of an achievement. And even though everything, when you compare to the first lockdown, all of it was so novel by then, it was like, I don't even recognize my life anymore like what the, is it what's the, the future lockdown we were told we're just going to be locking down for three weeks three weeks and then everything's going to be fine yep and I think that's why the first lockdown was so novel because everyone yeah okay it's three weeks everybody you know sit down watch Netflix shows bake your bread you know uh do what you can you know have a nice time sit back relax just to, to the to the people that are working at home you know to some extent uh, and then we quickly realised, well, the government weren't quite sure of that and probably shouldn't have said that. Um, and then we had what I think was probably the absolute worst mistake that the government have ever decided to do was eat out to help out. Yep. And the whole summer where we kind of went, ah, oh, you know, the, the levels are a bit low. And then the spike just went up. And I think... I was mentally prepared for a second lockdown. I think we all were because we were so hopeful that if we just do this now, we can get it over and done with. Yes, I was prepared for a second lockdown. And it's funny because I remember certain people saying they're never going to do a second lockdown. We can't. We can't. No, no one's going to do it. We can't do a second lockdown. And being in Manchester where things had been restricted, I just knew if things are being restricted, it's coming. It's on its way. But that second, I don't think for Manchester you can say there was a second and third. I think it's just a, for Manchester it was just one. Like yeah. One and two and the second one was the worst thing. I mean, I remember having conversations with people and just being like, I don't have another lockdown in me. I don't have the mental 
resilience to do this again because I think the worst thing was the fact that at a certain point it started feeling like this is just it yeah this is absolutely yeah and I think that was half of the issue for me so you know I felt like I wasn't up to going back to normal anymore you know I really struggled with things like social anxiety even when you know things like you could meet in a group of six or something I was like oh that's a bit much I need to be like Mm -hmm. having some notice of when we're going to be doing it where are we going you know have those people been in contact with others and all of this I was so anxious about all of these things and it wasn't even COVID related really it was just overwhelming from all this time to myself and obviously that's trained my mind to be on its own too much and I've got irrational thoughts in my head and all of this it was tiring to think I've got to go and socialize and that's something I'm really not used to because I haven't done it in ages and And the pandemic was weird because it felt like everybody was like a million miles away but also at the same time everybody was in your head like when you go about your day normally you interact with people you see people on social media but in the pandemic you've just got them on social media and it felt like I don't really know how to explain it but it feels like you're alone in like a glass tunnel and you can see everybody else is alone in a glass tunnel and then freedom day came or like whenever like things started to ease up and it's like oh I don't need to be in a glass tunnel anymore but I'm so used to you being there and me hearing you right in your ear that I don't know if I can take that people literally be like social media being in my head having too many voices and extra people and I think for me I didn't want to meet up with people because I was like if I go and I enjoy it I'm number one gonna feel guilty and number two if this gets taken away from me I'm not gonna be able to cope because I've only just gotten used to life as lockdown was yeah I can I completely agree you just it was almost a fear of the fact that we've been here before it could just be stripped back again and thankfully we haven't had too many like rewinds back to any more restrictions very grateful for that but I think because of that experience you're never really trusting of what's around the corner you know I used to be someone that was like I'm there for like let's make a plan in a few months time now I'm like no that would really stress me out because then I'd constantly be thinking am I going to be able to do that you know do I book this train ticket or whatever do I book this flight or what have you and it makes you question every single way you'd go around the things that you just didn't bat an eyelid before and and naturally it stresses you out there's no wonder it stresses you out you've got to overthink all of these things because you never had to do that before it wasn't an added process it's no wonder more people struggled with the depression or really low mood when you're the whole of lockdown was basically you don't get nice things you don't get the things you enjoy don't don't expect that that's not what's going to happen what's going to happen is you're going to be lonely you're going to have very minimal joy all of the things that you loved all of the support systems that were there to support you so that you could be who they're going to get taken away it's no it's no wonder that so many people really really struggled and were now in a mental health crisis because of the fact that all of the things that they recommend for you to kind of do to help your mental health 95% of them no longer available no you can't go to the gym you can't socialize with friends you can't do this you can't do that 
so what are you supposed to do you're left with like two or three resources which probably aren't even the strongest ones and you just have to live with it yeah and then you add on the thing of even if someone does have the courage to go to the nhs and ask for help which highly recommend you know resources are strapped you know it's going to be hard to get a doctor's appointment it's and in itself it's not the most encouraging to open up to the next available doctor about all of these issues that you're facing for that medical help which people deserve 100% and I fully recommend going still making that effort but I'm not saying it's easy and as someone that's been there before it's not nice having to open up to someone because they're the only available doctor and you never know how understanding they're going to be you never know their sort of temperament and that's going to be the way that you respond to best and luckily I did get that but I can understand that that's not always the case and I think we couldn't have predicted the pandemic but I think there would have always been something as big as this that would have made us realize that we weren't taking mental health seriously you know if you break your leg you're put in a cast you're given care you're you know you know given time off if you don't like we were always taught you've got to eat these foods you've got to sleep like this you know so that our physical health can be you know the best it can be no one really talked about how to look after your mental health and I think this is now a side effect of it is that nobody was taught it we're having to now put our own resources into learning how to put that first because that is one of the most important things to look after yourself and the whole of the NHS is going but hang on a second we're used to plastering up legs we're used to doing the physical things we're used to giving surgery this feels like a strain when it really we should have added this whole section and given it so much more funding so much more support so much more education from the start yeah and I think sadly I think as much as once we're over this pandemic I think there's going to be a pandemic of mental health well, we're in a mental health crisis. Absolutely. Oh, we were already, but I think it's just going to get even worse and more elevated. And actually, I think the worst bit about it is it's going to be really blind to statistics because people just naturally aren't as open about their mental health because, as you said, they're taught that, you know, if, if you can't see it, it's not there. And I think the harmful thing is as well about society in general is that we're often taught just by general practices with how school and work absence is managed you know you only get that day off if you're really really sick or really ill or something really wrong and that's generally if you're physically ill and it's only when you've hit that pinnacle for example right if you've got a cold you'll be told you can go to school for you know the whole week and maybe on the Friday actually this is the worst day now you can have a day off yeah that whole premise of waiting till it gets really really bad until you rest and look after yourself is so flawed because well one on a medical point of view you probably pass it on to everyone else two what is the point there you need to be putting yourself first and your health we're not taught to put our health first over things that we're working towards like school work whatever that may be because we're told that if it's not at crisis or at the extreme, then you can keep going. Yeah. And that's where it's harmful with mental health, because that's why people don't get support early enough, because they think, oh, I'm just having a bad day. People have got it worse than me. 
actually if you're already thinking that you need to be taking time out to yourself talking to someone a professional a friend whoever that may be and making sure you're getting some resource or support there because waiting till it's the extreme point it's too late far too late but I think that's that is society's take on suicide prevention because not to well I'm gonna get political I was gonna say not to get political but you can get political (laughs) the way the government is going about supporting everyone in society you know you're increasing national insurance you're cutting universal credit um there's still issues with Grenfell and cladding that's suicide prevention making sure that someone has a place to stay food in their fridge that is all suicide prevention but at the moment we only understand suicide prevention as talking someone off the bridge stop taking the the pills or to literally stop the act before it happens suicide prevention is so much bigger than that and i think that our government has made a very clear statement that they do not care and i i i that is a hill i'm i'm willing to die on Mm. you know i think that to again get even more political i think through the pandemic the government made a very clear statement that we want to get things back up as normal so we can start spending the money that we were used to you know we're not too fussed about you individually we just kind of want to get back to where we were before to make money and i and again that's another hill i'll die on so i think that they can say as much as they want that they care about mental health we can have as many days as many months as many weeks as many ribbons for awareness as you want but until you start doing the basics until you start giving people just basic human rights you don't care about suicide prevention you don't care about mental health because how it does it doesn't make sense one plus one does not equal two if you don't add the plus sign touching on the no no it does it does and then then like touching on sort of I guess the media part of like this side of the podcast I suppose is that for anyone that you know is into their documentaries there's been so many documentaries released throughout the pandemic on mental health and loss and things three that come to mind for me is Roman Kemp's documentary I can't remember the name of it but it was the whole premise that you when you're asking your mate you're right you ask again because realistically you're gonna probably be like yeah good how are you but are you actually good if you say it again they're probably like yeah I'm all right like this happened xyz happened blah 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 you get a bit more detail and it opens that conversation up a lot more for some Mm. more honest conversation about well-being that documentary was really good i believe that was bbc Mm. another documentary which i think is a really important watch particularly because everyone's been on social media and naturally they often say that people that do things like trolling and things like that um you know they're not good in themselves i think it's really important that people do watch the Caroline Flack documentary that I believe Channel 4 released Um, that is really poignant to explain how the be kind message is more important than ever whilst we've all been online for the past 18 months well two years almost like we need to be making sure that we're hyper aware of the messages we are sending out there as individuals how that's harming how that's being received because the impact you probably won't see the impact before it's too late and that's Mm. catastrophic another touch on suicide prevention there 
actually there's probably two actually just around loss that I think were really again poignant just be have like quite a raw and honest like outlook on it because obviously people have lost family members friends mm. um colleagues and dealing with grief alongside all of these other issues is something that's really important to address so the Kate Garraway documentary Finding Derek I think his name's Derek I could be getting that completely wrong and that's really embarrassing but um finding her husband um who sure as far as I'm aware can like he's alive he's relatively well but he really suffered with COVID-19 during the pandemic and you know that was a really really severe case of the virus that impacted that whole family dynamic and I think that is as much as thankfully there wasn't a loss of life there there was definitely a loss of a part of that family because you know their kids were used to then having to FaceTime dad even though he wasn't able to respond because he was on a ventilator and things like that so that's a really important documentary but speaking on loss itself Joey Essex's um, Grief and Me documentary BBC is also really good because I think it's also underrated that children will be very much affected by this sure they're very adaptable very resilient but their outlook on you know even just illness um being social being trusting of others and all these other things that have sort of been affected over the past couple of years it's definitely going to make an impact on their development and things like loss as a child is something that's really important to address and I think if anyone's concerned about that for a younger relative or whatever it's really important to look at that documentary because he addresses an awful lot of things that are really really important yeah I mean I have I have two things to say on that point I completely agree that I I just feel like children have been been hit just to an extent the hardest and I think I could I can cry really easily about how hard children have had it and how they just don't deserve it but what makes it even worse is the fact that at some point when people couldn't afford to give these children food, you know, the government said that they weren't going to reintroduce um, free school meals, which I think was crazy. But I just think these children have had so much on their shoulders that I, I think back to shows like um, the one the one in the nursery where they film them and they secret life of a four year old. Um, I think back and I wish I hope that someone in Channel 4 does one on kids now so we can see the difference because mm. I think developmentally they're going to struggle um, and that really breaks my heart but the second thing I was going to say is that like the documentary that you were talking about um, with the husband that had COVID I watched an influencer literally have a similar situation the influencer grace victory uh she was 30 years old you know i've she's been someone that has been on youtube since i was like in year seven and i used to love her content you know was always makeup and beauty and then it turned into body positivity and mental health and she was expecting a baby and you know she was you know there was nothing wrong with her and then she got COVID, had to have her baby early, went into a coma. And this whole year, she's been amazing because, you know, she did not die. I mean, I think she technically died for a couple of minutes, but, you know, she is still alive. But she's had to learn how to walk again. She didn't have the first couple of months with her son. And there's just been loss on so many levels in society. And it's so, it's 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 heartbreaking. And I think that 
it just goes back to that message that everybody needs to be a bit kinder and we need to figure out a way that the world can slow down a bit so that these things can we have space to deal with these things because my worry is is that there's been so much grief um and we're not actually giving people the tools the resources the time to get over it so as you were saying there's going to be a mental health pandemic but in like 10 years there's going to be some people that are seriously ill because of how things were dealt in this time which is totally preventable in my opinion yeah I really do agree and I think that's why things like World Mental Health Day is something that's really important we don't need to just brush past it and ignore it it's a good reminder for everyone to be like you know mental health is definitely a thing you know you may think that it doesn't affect you personally but it affects people that you love around you and even if it means that someone just checks in on like the people they you know love dearly you know nearest and dearest and that for that day then never know that could just make all the difference if everyone did that um so I think that's a nice segue I think with the whole be kind message into women's safety at the moment and I really don't want this podcast to become a rant about all the things that are going wrong in the world but I do think it's important to talk about this because as as we've said freedom day has happened everyone's allowed out it's something that it's something that's at least being addressed but it's not being solved and it's not going to get solved anytime soon but I think it's definitely something that we should talk about because people have had social anxiety to go out see the people that they know but I think it's also a big anxiety now with all of these different cases that are coming out around women being attacked killed by you know in some cases policemen like trusted members of society that we've been sort of taught that are people to put our put our lives in their hands put their safety in their hands and I think it's important to talk about because even from my point of view I'm nowhere near as comfortable now right now anyway walking around London on my own just to get back from maybe a late time at at work or something you know maybe getting in a cab by myself now I'm a lot more cautious about and it doesn't mean to say I was reckless before but it says a lot that I'm way more cautious now and that is definitely it's definitely a problem for women but it's not caused by women at the end of the day we need to be doing better as a society and men need to be making an extra effort for contributing towards women's safety it's misogyny it's misogyny and misogyny is in my opinion well it's it's, it's, misogyny is institutionalized because when we look at the police force um there's so much to say that the police are not doing their job and protect protecting women so much to say there's so much evidence i don't have the facts the statistics the the you know everything but i i just know it's true um and i think i i had a moment in lockdown where i was like oh well i hope I hope things get better, you know, in the club or, you know, going out. I hope people just focus on having a great time. But the irony of me saying that is that I was saying that at a time where domestic violence was absolutely on and up. So there never really was any hope. That was very naive of me. Um, but it, it's it's just the whole situation is, is upsetting. And I think I had a experience while trying to get back home on the train where I just had this intense jealousy from men 
there was an intoxicated guy and you know immediately if there's an intoxicated guy anywhere near me at any train station where I'm alone alarm bells are ringing I'm thinking let's get away let's let's you know just just be cautious who's around me what sounds am I making how do I look how am I standing I'm thinking about everything because I'm trying to think about my safety where's men are just going oh look that guy's pretty drunk isn't that so funny let's like mess about with him my head has already done how many safety routes are around me and I think that's so sad and there's no reason why it should be like that I think that's something that we've grown up as a norm and sadly I don't think I sadly I just don't think generally men are very aware of all of these things that we have to go through in our minds um so for example I think it was yeah it was this week I think so I went to the gym um you know not that this is even relevant anyway but I was in one of my Gymshark sets just doing my workout minding my own business my music in and my gym anyway I've just sort of had to face up to it it's very male heavy but you know that's that's the way it is tends to be in gyms anyway because guys generally are more into weightlifting than women um so I've kind of got used to that um doesn't mean to say that that's not something I'm quite conscious of sometimes because there are certain characters in the gym that you want to stay clear of and a perfect example of this was the fact that I was just doing my one of my sets on a machine and a guy was literally just standing behind me as if he was waiting for me to finish my set which to be honest is rude etiquette anyway in a gym but I was like fine if he's going to be annoying like that I'll just crack on and I'll just walk away done whatever although once I finished the set he just walked in the other direction so it was clearly just standing behind me watching me do my workout which is very creepy makes me feel uncomfortable and probably any other woman in there as well if he's doing that to other people and the sad thing was as well that for the rest of the, my time from my workout I was conscious of who is looking at me and if there is other women in here and you know as much as it's a very crowded place people are so focused on what they're doing or they tend to be even if one person acts out of line with me it's gonna be very difficult to get other people's attention because there's music in people's ears and people just aren't focused on other people's surroundings or don't tend to be and then I could get over that I was annoyed I was frustrated but what really like got me the final thing was like then I was having to think okay night's getting a bit darker now when I came out the gym it was dark and then I'm walking to my car on my own I practically jogged back to my car just in case, for whatever reason, he had any other intention other than to just be, not going to lie, a bit pervy in the gym. Yeah. And that's something that I don't think men realise when they do these sorts of behaviour. He could have just been waiting around, waiting for me to finish my set and then change his mind and walked off. But men need to be aware that when they do these sorts of things, sadly, this is a reality that isn't going anywhere for us. Please do make an extra effort to make us feel more comfortable so we don't have to think about these things as much as we already do already. Yeah. Saying is mind your business, like literally just <laughs> keep yourself, like keep yourself to yourself in terms of how men act. Even if there was a man that was acting perfectly, he wasn't misogynistic. It's this feeling of like, Oh, that argument of like oh not all men not all men but it's enough men so even if you're acting perfectly there's still going to be something in my mind that's like 
is he acting like a normal human being and actually being respectful or is there something deeper more misogynistic more violent more scarier that's going on here I would never trust it and I don't think sadly that that's ever something that in our lifetime will if if we can if enough men display normal behavior we can get used to I just don't think we will because I think we'll always be expecting we'll always be on guard that something's going to go wrong or there's something darker there one thing I will shout out um is that I believe there is a new campaign sort of like a service called strut safe I think um where basically you can text or call someone on your walk home it's mm. basically to help women feel a bit more safe if they're ever on their own or they feel uncomfortable in a situation they need some sort of a company on a phone mobile device just to get them out of something and that's something that I think just thought I'd shout that out in case anyone wanted that but I just wanted to pop this in here just to let other girls know that you're not the only ones feeling more cautious at the moment you know I hope everyone's staying safe and also we are not the problem but that doesn't mean to say we need to put our safety first but moving away from less serious topics, what are we thinking for recent TV shows, films, podcasts, anything you can recommend to people for these self-care days that we're going into for the winter where we're probably going to be more under a blanket and with a hot chocolate now? Well, the first thing I'd say is that everybody's going on about Squid Game, but I don't think my nervous system would be able to take it. <laughs> um, I really liked Money Heist, but season five is very violent i mean it's about bank robbery um but but squid game seems like it would also be quite intense so probably wouldn't recommend that but um i love i am so excited i'm gonna i'm gonna start talking about it do it I am do so it excited season five of insecure comes out in two weeks and i actually think it's the best program ever like but i think as well if you watch it and the brilliance of the show see I'm getting so excited okay before you do brilliance before you do brilliance in case anyone hasn't watched it what's the premise of the show the premise of the show is about a black woman going about her life who's in a relationship at the start of season one and it's just about her going about her life but her just not being that satisfied it's kind of like a coming of age series okay but for an adult um in a very particular part of LA and in fact I don't know if I want to use the word coming of age because I think the whole point of the series is that there's no I mean I hope in season five there isn't there's no perfectly wrapped up happy ending and everybody goes off into the sunset and it's all great and it's all uh, you know perfect I think that um, the beauty of it, the brilliance of it, is that every character is complex, nobody's perfect, every character's flawed, and it's real. It doesn't, it feels like a story that could be about anyone, just told in a really beautiful way. Wow, what a pitch. Sounded like poetry, didn't it? It really did. (laughs) What about you? What would you recommend? I think we should touch on sex education. Oh, brilliant. brilliant. Just I know that it has been released, what, like maybe a month ago, but yeah. I'm still on the hype. 
I'm still seeing all these different articles and things written up about it and I think it's a great series I think it does an awful lot for young people and it fills that gap of where not gonna like PSHE like it says in the series ironically just fails us when we're growing up and it's such a raw and honest and delicate way of portraying life and relationships and well-being sexuality race it touches on so many important topics and I think actually it's not even as much as it's mainly targeted at young people I think anyone of any way any age could watch that program and enjoy it because it covers so many different things from what it's like going through a divorce you know what it's like about being like being a carer for a parent for example you know there's so many different things or being disabled and having a relationship with someone that that's disabled when you're not and things like that like it's there's such important topics and storylines and I can't rave about it enough yeah yeah I mean after season two uh I actually wrote an article for the my student student newspaper about how much I loved it um basically saying that it's it's this the series that we all need there's something that will make everyone feel seen in it and I think season three has only meant that even more people feel seen watching that show it feels like diversity is a natural thing in that show of of everything you know they haven't gone oh let's let's pick a disabled character and their whole storyline is going to be about the fact that they're disabled that that's that's not that's not what it's so it is. much more complex and it's exactly. so brilliantly complex it's like this was written for the people by the people yes and it's 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 incredible well i think that's probably a good place to finish i just want to say thank you for your time for having me hopefully we'll have you back again um i also wanted to reiterate that some key shout outs for graduates struggling at the moment girls who graduate is a really good campaign to get involved in also strut safe for women's safety for any sort of like mental health well-being sort of advice or support then please do reach out to someone um, whether that's a medical professional or maybe you need to go to a friend or family member to um, get that sort of ball rolling to get that support in place but please do visit selfielovecampaign.com for further resources and also follow us on Spotify because now we're on Spotify and and follow us on Instagram please do share episodes that you like to your friends and family and things hopefully the listeners will come back (laughs) Hey! <laughs>